0: Hey, my name is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to today's podcast as we talk with Pastor Stephen Kyle as he dives into Romans. He's starting a new series uh, out of Romans called A Life Transformation, and today we're going to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1, talking about the true marks of a real Christian. So thank you for joining us, and keep listening. All right, so Pastor Stephen, you started the book of Romans. Um, and you're going through it systematically, verse by verse. So my first question to you is, why? Why the book of Romans? Why do you want to go through it verse by verse?
1: Yeah, the uh, the title of the series is uh, A Life Transformation, uh, because Romans, it is just that. It, it, it talks about a life that has been transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, the author of Romans, Paul, Speaking from own pers- his own personal experience, uh, here's, here's who I was, then I met Christ, and uh, here's who I am now. As a matter of fact, you, uh, in my study, I, I read of several uh, what we would call fathers of the faith who, uh, who came to know Christ uh, through their studying of the book of Romans. We've got a, we've got a city not too far from here uh, named St. Augustine and uh most folks know that that city was named after Aurelius Augustine. Uh he he was teaching um rhetoric <laughs> which is kind of humorous but rhetoric at a school in northern Italy and uh by his own testimony he said man I was living a really a a, a debased uh, life of debauchery um involved in all kinds of drunkenness and uh well, per, per his own wording, sexual orgies, and um, he said that his his mom was praying for his salvation. And uh, one day he was sitting outside, Augustine said, and he was hearing children playing a game. And part of the little saying in the game was, uh, pick up and read, pick up and read. And so Augustine said that he went into this house, uh, he was staying with someone there who uh whether they were a Christian or not, I don't know, but they did have an attraction to Christianity. But Augustine said he, he went in and he picked up the book of Romans. And he said, I opened it up, and the the very first thing that my eyes saw, Romans 13. Uh, and, and here's what he read, verses 13 and 14. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, uh, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so here he is, he's living a sinful lifestyle, and he reads that, and then, you know, he, he, he turns his life to Christ, and his life turned around, became one of the, um, the early theologians of the, uh, of the, well, of the Christian church. And, um, you know, you look at the life of Martin Luther, kind of 1,200 years after Augustine, same thing, was reading the book of Romans. And uh, that's when he began to have an understanding that you don't get to heaven by taking sacraments, you don't get to heaven by buying indulgences from the Catholic Church. Uh, 200 years after that, uh, there was a, there was a guy who went as a missionary for the Anglican church from England to, uh, what was the, the colony of Georgia at the times, the state of Georgia now. And, uh, this guy was going to evangelize what he said are the pagan American Indians. And he said, I didn't even realize as I was a pagan myself, his name was John Wesley and he was a total failure as a missionary to the Indians because he didn't know Christ. So he got on a ship. Uh, he, uh, he sailed back to London. And halfway back to Europe, the ship encountered a terrible storm. And the boat was thrown about by the waves. They were afraid they were going to sink. Uh, Wesley was afraid that he was going to die. That uh, He said, I-, I was afraid that if I died, I, I wouldn't go to heaven. So um, he looked over at a group of uh, uh, Moravian Christians who were holding hands, and they were singing praises to the Lord, and they were smiling. And Wesley said, when he looked at those people who were not afraid to die, he said, I don't have what they have. And when he got back to London, he went to a, uh, a meeting on Aldersgate Street, and that night, Wesley said, somebody read from the book of Romans, and, 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 and here's what Wesley wrote. He wrote this on May the 24th, 1738. He said, about a quarter until nine, while he was reading the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Um, so you've got Augustine, you've got Luther, you've got Wesley, You've got Paul. I mean, on and on. Uh, that's the reason why we're studying the book of Romans.
0: Well, And we know that the book of Romans is going to be pretty thick when it comes to theological things. We know that there's potential for debate. We know there's potential for people to take uh, part of the text. Um, as you look through the book of Romans, take part of that text and kind of use it in uh, variable variable ways, a lot of different ways. Uh, but you kind of make this statement <clears throat> starting with your sermon, uh, you, you use the phrase, resume of a real Christian. And so if we're talking about a life transformation, and then you you titled the sermon, Marks of a Real Christian, but you use the phrase, resume of a real Christian. Um, how did, wh- how, why resume of a real Christian? Like, why is that? Because um, we can't, it's hard for a believer to think about their life as something on a sheet of paper, like a resume.
1: Yeah. The, the thought is what, what does a real Christian look like? What does a real Christian sound like? I mean, in, in, in not in the, not in the, uh, the manner of, Hey, act this way and behave this way and, and you'll be a Christian. Uh, but no more along the lines of you, you've had a life transformation uh there are going to be characteristics in your life uh of someone as I mentioned in the sermon. Number one, somebody who's been who's been changed by Jesus. Uh in the in the in the case of of, of Luther, he would have said, hey, I was I was highly religious. I just didn't have a relationship. I mean Wesley would even have said the very same thing. Um clearly Paul Saul, Paul he was the very same thing. So um you know you're you're changed by Jesus. I, I, I think the second point I made was you're chained to Jesus. That's talking about hey, I'm now a bond servant of Christ. I want to please, I want to please Christ with the life that uh, that He has given unto me. And uh, the third point, hey, you're called by Jesus. Well, what are you called? Oh, man, I'm, I'm I'm called to be somebody and I'm called to do something. So the whole resume or the traits of a real Christian. Hey, here's here's what it looks like. Um, you know, how how does how does your life compare to what we read here in this in this text in Romans chapter 1 uh, of a life that has been transformed by Jesus Christ.
0: So let's let's talk about this being changed by Jesus and being controlled by Jesus because you, you when it comes to being controlled by Jesus, like everything about us is going to change. If we look at that Uh, interaction. And we look at that moment where Saul went from Saul to Paul, like he had an encounter with Jesus and everything about his life changed at that moment. Um, So when we talk about the believer being changed by Jesus and controlled by Jesus, you make this statement talking about people in our lives and how we're going to deal with people in our lives. You say, "Um, there's someone who has mistreated you. Maybe they've said terrible things about you, You know that the Bible says you're supposed to forgive them, but in your own sinful, selfish flesh, you just say, I can't forgive them, but just engage Jesus's control and Jesus can control that person through you. Um, Can you kind of expound on that?
1: So basically what he's communicating here in Romans chapter 1 is, uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a constant struggle as long as we're in the flesh. Uh, there's going to be this uh, battle that's waging. Uh, you use the example from the sermon of somebody's wronged you. They've said something bad about you, and you're like, there's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to forgive them. Um, yeah, because you're in the flesh, but, but Jesus can through you. So it's a dying daily of yourself. Hey, Christ, you know the struggles that I have, you know the difficulty uh, that I have in the flesh, but I, I commit this to you, and Lord, you' you're, you're going to have to uh, through me, um, forgive those that are not very forgivable. You know one, one of the one of the things that uh, a lot of times comes up when you talk about a life being transformed, and especially the guy who wrote this this book, Paul. You know, you think of the Damascus Road experience uh, or the miracle. You know, here he is, Saul. He's persecuting Christians, he's imprisoning them. Um, You know, he's the guy who held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. And uh, his entire life was spent to stop the way, the way of Christ. Highly religious, believing that he was doing the very will of God because of, uh, well, the false religion that he followed. And so, you know, all of a sudden, blinding light, Jesus speaks to him. Jesus calls him, saves him. Major life transformation that takes place. Very few folks are going to sit there and say, okay, yeah, yeah, before I came to Christ, I was on the road to go and right. persecute right. some Christians. But then all of a sudden I got saved and I've had this radical transformation And so, uh, you know, salvation, absolutely, immediate. Um, The moment that you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, at that moment, forgiven of your sins.
0: And that's a story in itself. Absolutely. Like a lot of times, uh, I know that we've had questions about, well, I don't have a dramatic experience from living one way to now I'm a new believer in Christ. But that heart change is a dramatic thing. Like you could, I grew up in church. Like I grew up as a relatively good kid, but I still had a dramatic change in my life when I went from death to life. So I think it speaks to the fact that we don't have to have some, be like a saw where we were persecuting Christians or doing things like that, but we, as long as we know for sure that we've had that moment where we have asked Christ in our heart, we have surrendered our life to Him, um, and going again from that death to life, I think that we don't need to overlook those that moment at all
1: yeah absolutely you know the bible says that uh you know whoever believes in their heart that uh god raised jesus from the dead and they confess him with their mouth uh, they they will be saved um you know i think uh well i think i think a comment that would apply to to everyone no matter no matter where they are on this uh transformation process Uh, whether it's somebody like a Saul Paul to, it's like a light was, you know, just switched on and all of a sudden, wow, major, major change in his life or somebody who gets saved. Uh, even like I did as, as a child, you know, uh, not, uh, not a lot of what we would call debauchery, uh, in my, in my life, a big word. Uh, absolutely. Um, but to me, this applies to whether you're Paul whether you get saved as a child, somewhere in between um, this phrase right here, my want to has
0: changed. Well, and, and you even make the statement earlier in the sermon, you said as long, yeah, you know, we're talking about being conquered by Jesus. Um, he has changed us. But you make the statement, as long as you say, I'm going to do what I want to do, then maybe you haven't been conquered by Jesus.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And And, and hear me, you can say that. You can, you can even sit there and say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do. I know what God's Word says, right. but I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do. Um, and if you're able to do that and not feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit yeah. leading you to repent of that, clearly I believe that's evidence that you are not in Christ. So even in your disobedience, uh, the Spirit does not identify with that, and so He— continually remind you, this is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. But the big thing is, the big thing is, I want to please Jesus. I, I want to honor him with the life that he's given me, and if I don't please him, then, man, I'm broken over that. I, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely broken. And the reality is, you're not going to always please him because of the flesh, because of the sin and this nature that we have about us. But um, But when you do sin against him, you're like, golly boy that's just that's not who I am Uh, I am a child of the one true king and I want to I want to please him I want to honor him I want to obey him and so uh, I would say again my want to's changed I want to please him right and I would say I would say as well the more you grow in Christ the more the more consistently you're going to start getting it right then you get it wrong never reach a state of perfection um, until you are uh, you're at the place where there is no
0: sin, which we know is heaven or glory. So we've kind of hit the uh, being changed by Jesus and controlled by Jesus. and then your, your third point um, is being called by Jesus. So we're kind of making this transition. You know, God's called us to do something. Jesus has called us to do something. and you make this statement, uh, which is a very simple yet profound statement. When you become a Christian, God wants you to be somebody. And you say it all the time. You're like, you're not here for a reason. I'm sorry, I take that back. You are here for a reason. You're not here on accident. God has placed you here uh, on purpose. He's placed you in Panama City in 2021 for a reason. He's called us to be somebody. Um, You want to say any more on that one? As the pastor of our church, as a pastor who leads us, God has called us to be somebody. Yeah, it's
1: beautiful right there in in, in verse one of Romans one. You know, Paul, uh, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, uh, and as we drew it out, man, just a, that that word bondservant, just huge, huge. Uh, I am uh, I am under the command of Christ, uh, and then he says called to be an apostle. Uh, so so Paul's like, hey, this is what God has called me to be to be an apostle and, um, you know, uh, that, uh, apostolic or apostle position, uh, according to the new Testament is no longer a, uh, a position that exists today. Um, but God, God is calling everyone, those who've surrendered to him. He may be calling you to, uh, to be a disciple. I mean, we know that's the case. That's called the call of salvation um missionary uh maybe calling you to be a teacher just faithful in your service to the Lord Jesus Christ but he calls every single one of us to be somebody in Christ and he calls every single one of us to do something to do something so
0: that that servant word that bond servant word um i was i was doing some studying for another thing that i was teaching and you know the commentators say that that when when they reference bond servant In the New Testament, it's kind of hitting back to some Old Testament things. But it's basically a servant who had the opportunity for freedom, but chose to resubmit himself to his master for life. So the servant had the opportunity to be set free, had the opportunity to go do what he wanted to do, but chose to resubmit himself to his master for life. And so when I look at Paul, that's a pretty profound statement that Paul's saying, hey, I, a bondservant, I'm choosing to submit myself to my master for life and then he goes and gives us the instructions on what to do and how to do it and how to live this life yeah that's
1: that's that's pretty huge um the uh the very fact that you look at it now uh you know the terminology bond servant uh you know as paul you could sit here and say well he he was enslaved uh, to himself he was enslaved to his religion um he was enslaved to a cause, and then he received freedom yeah. in Christ. And here he is saying, "Okay, because of the freedom in Christ, I, I, I realize I'm now enslaved to Christ." And I know we say the word slave naturally; we have this, um, we have this negative concept. We think of uh, a little tension yeah, gets the, in our body. Yeah, we think of the antebellum. Uh, slavery that happened in the United States um, in the South um but yeah don't don't let the term bond servant or slave don't let it get lost on the very fact that here is a man who has just been set free um, from sin, and he 's like right. hey here 's who I am.
0: Uh, I am a bond servant to Jesus Christ, and that, the
1: very one who gave me freedom,
0: and that brought him joy. That brought him joy in everything. I brought, brought him joy in everything he was doing. He was passionately pursuing Christ, passionate about Christ, and passionate about talking, uh, talking about Jesus to anybody and everybody that he could. Sure. Uh, well,
1: and there's a big there's there's also a big point in verse one that we we really didn't have time to even draw out in the sermon, but called to be an apostle and separated. Called and separated. Mm. And what a great definition yeah. of a Christian—somebody who's been called out, called to Christ, and they're separated. Uh, here, here's how Scripture says we're, we're in the world but not of the world. Uh, it, it, you know, to be separated does not mean that we build some compound somewhere or this uh, utopia, and all of us Christians are just going to separate and live in our own little communal and uh, wait for Jesus to come back or wait for everybody to die. The word separated there, it, it, it means, hey, I'm actively a part of the world that God has called me to be a part of. I'm, uh, I'm living for a time such as this, out of all the places and all the time in world history that I could have life, I have it now, and I have it at my location, um, but yet I am separated from those who don't know Christ, which means, I'm different. I'm different. I'm living among them in hopes that I might win them. But instead of them changing me, uh, I've been called to be separate and to hopefully live a contagious lifestyle. Um, and, you know, that's the key thing. Christianity is not a situation where it's taught, Christianity's caught uh, just like you'd catch a cold from someone. Um, you're contagious, man. If you're somebody who's truly uh, following after Christ, and as Paul said, <laughs> a bond servant of the one who set me free, mm-hmm. he's called me to a to a calling. And 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 we would say this, yeah, he's called me to a calling. What is that calling? Uh, to live my life in such a way that it shows how radically. Uh, separated that I am so that others might be drawn to the gospel of God, is what what Paul says in that passage of scripture. Um, It's not my life, it's his life. Um, And when you stop and think about that, uh, wow, man, he saved me. I belong to him. Uh, The life that I've been given is more than just Get up at six o'clock in the morning, or you know, in the case of youth pastors, get up about ten thirty uh, in the morning. Hey, I'm not a youth pastor anymore. Uh, I know uh, you're not. You okay, gra- you graduated to collegiate. That's right. Uh, I get up here, at nine thirty. I uh, hear you. The uh and and you know, eat the same breakfast and go to work and eat the same lunch and then you know, do your afternoon at work and then you come home and maybe spend a little time with your family, maybe run to the ballpark, wherever the case may be, wake up the next day and do it over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, man, I'm 55 years old. What happened? Um, Well, life happened, but that's not what a follower of Christ has been called to. You You, you have a calling in the world, but not of the world. So here's the way I approach that. Yeah, man, I'm going to I'm going to go to work today, but I work where I work because I've been called by God there so that others might see there's something different about me, right? It might be drawn to the gospel. I go eat where I eat. So maybe the way I interact with the, uh, the waiters or waitresses, maybe, maybe they see something different. I'm, I'm, I'm kind or, you know, um, and they're like, wow, what, what is, what is that? What is that about you? Even, even in front of my own family, Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham says the true test of a Christian is at home. And man, that is absolutely true. People you live with, they know the real you, right? They, they know the real you that nobody else sees or hears or all that. You know, oh uh, to God that we as followers of Christ would start seeing our own home as a, as a great mission field, um, but. To me, it's a big deal where he says, called and separated, called and separated. To, hey, you could even put that, somebody define Christian for me. Yeah, Christ-like, it. called and separated. Boom, right there. Matter of fact, I'm making a bumper sticker. Do it. And we're going to put it on the back. Christian dash called and separated. Um, and then I could say, you know, I heard a guy say this um,
0: a couple thousand years ago. So, we're called to be somebody, and then you kind of. You kind of shift going, all right, we're called to be somebody because of what Christ has done for us. But then you say, we're called to do something. As a Christian, you're called to be somebody, but you're also called to do something. And what is that something that you're telling us to do?
1: Yeah, Paul mentions it right there, the gospel, man. I've been called, I've been separated, what? To the gospel of God. What is the gospel of God? (laughs) Well, the good news of God is, I've sent my son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He's doing for you what you could not do for yourself, paying the price for your sin. The good news is, well, you deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. But, but, I heard one old country preacher say at one time, I love the big butts of the Bible. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, whoa, I don't know about that. But, but God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, what have we been called to do? Make much of the gospel Make much of the God. And, and, and Ryan, I've seen this happen many times, and there's a great fear. There are a lot of wonderful things that happen in Christian communities, a lot of wonderful things that happen with, uh, you know, Christian peer groups, churches, and all that kind of stuff, uh, worthwhile things, um, things that are good things, but they all should come secondary to making much of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'll give you an example. Uh, there, they're <laughs> I've seen this before. You know, uh, guys get really excited about their faith and growing, and hey, we're gonna meet and we're gonna study God's word, and we're gonna meet and we're gonna study God's word, and man, we're growing, and we're gonna dig deeper, and we're gonna study God's word and study God's word and study God's word. And man, I mean, good gravy, they could teach a, a seminary class because they've just studied God's word and they understand. It. They want to read it in the original language and what they really mean by this, and all this kind of stuff and it just really floats their boat, kind of lights their fuse. But then they won't walk across the street to tell their neighbor about Jesus. They they they'll debate well, who did Jesus die for? But but the guy that they work next to mm. twelve hours a day, mm. they won't turn and say, Hey, can can I tell you what the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? Um and so to me, man, right out of the shoot, Paul's saying, hey, we're, we're called and we're separated, but we're called and separated for a reason, the gospel, the gospel, not just so, you know, we are trophies of God's grace and thank God we're trophies of his grace, but not trophies that he sits up on his mantle and says, all right, there you go. Uh, no, he's like, you know, I've saved you. I've called you. I've separated you. Now you go out into the world. And uh, may the gospel, may it be the fuel that lights and flames everything. Uh, And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we're just not very intentional when it comes to that.
0: So how do do we get that urgency? I mean, we know the answer. Like, you've even mentioned that in the sermons. Like, we have the cure. We have the answer. Every day we're going to encounter people who are terminally or eternally ill because of a sin sickness, but we have the answer. So how do we get to that point where uh, there's some urgency behind the knowledge that we have? There's some urgency behind the fact that the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to save our soul. That is good news in itself. That's a miraculous thing in itself. So why is the church, maybe it's a double. So I had a question like why is the church so lackadaisical on this and how do we get this urgency? Because I sit and listen to you every week. I'm in the hallways with you every day. Like you are urgent about the gospel. You are not ashamed of the gospel. You preach the gospel. You tell us to share the gospel, even as a staff, you tell us to be urgent about the gospel. So how do how do we as a church, how do people listening to this, how do people that sit in the chairs every week? go from all right that's a great message that's a great thought i really like the fact that jesus saved me but how do we go to that moment where it's urgent and we're actively sharing the good news with the people around us yeah uh well first first of all i i fall short
1: every day well i'm not gonna tell anybody that every day uh and i i'm clearly not the model uh um at all um you know they're they're there are days at the end of the day when I'm, you know, trying to go to sleep and, you know, just kind of replaying the events of the day in my mind. And I'll say, oh, I missed, I missed an opportunity. Uh, I missed a, a chance to be able to share, uh, man, that was a great, great conversation. Why didn't I take it a step further? Um, several years ago, I was challenged by an older pastor. Um, when I said, Hey, tell me, tell me, what wisdom would you give me? He had been successful, pastored a large church. And uh what kind of wisdom can you give me, this this young preacher? And um, I'll never forget what he said. He said, Never forget what it was like to be lost. Mm. Wow. And, and can I can I tell you, I don't every morning, <laughs> uh, but but more days than not, that's my prayer. In my prayer, God God is I Walk through the world today. Help me to remember what it was like to be lost.
0: Well, and I'll phrase it this way, just in my own brain, the way I think about things. It's like, I'm going to talk about the things that I value. I'm going to talk about the things that I value. Um, And so when we get to that point to where we value the work that Christ has done in our life, not 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 be not just be happy with it or like it or be excited about it, but value when we truly value the work that Christ has done in our life. We truly value Christ and who he is and how he works. We truly value what he's done for all of mankind. I can't help but talk about it. I can't help but try to tell people about it. I can't help but it be on my lips and on my tongue every day. And I thank you. I think you close out your sermon the other day with a great, simple statement. You said, it's a good news, so go tell it. Like, it's the good news, so go tell people about who Jesus is, about what he's done, how he's changed our life. It is the good news. Go tell it.
1: Yeah, that's what gospel means. (laughs) Right. Good news, right? Good news. How terrible would it be for me? Uh, to, to know something so wonderful and so grand, so life-changing, and think, well, maybe they're not interested, or maybe they won't listen, or maybe they don't care, uh, versus just saying, golly, you know what, uh, they're gonna hear it anyway. Uh, I can remember we had our first child, and I lived a little, we lived in a little parsonage in north Mississippi, pastoring a little church, and uh I can remember going home to a home that I did not own, uh, to a mailbox that was not mine. Uh, I didn't even pay rent. You know, this is a church-owned home, and uh, man, I decked that joker out. It is a girl. Everybody knew we were having a girl anyway, uh, but I want everybody that drive by that drove by that house and that mailbox to see the good news that had just happened, and uh, how how minute that is compared to. Mm the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take the good news to the nations. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I wanna thank you today for listening to our Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Our prayer is that you have been challenged as well as encouraged as we study God's word verse by verse. If you're ever in the Panama City area, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person at Highland Park Baptist Church, 2611 Highway 231 North in Panama City. If you want to learn more about our ministry and about our church, we would encourage you to go to our website www.highland and that's H I L A N D park dot if you have any questions or any comments about today's podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at info at highlandpark.org. That's H-I-L-A-N-D-P-A-R-K dot Our prayer is that you would continue to draw close to God. And if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, please reach out to us and let us share with you the greatest story that's ever been told. God bless.